Put into words without sound Reach for memory This place where your voice was found Stands a giving tree Acorns thrown at hearts of stone Score the fragile shell As these patient seeds are sown We restore the will Amy, I can see your pain Amy, how do I explain? Amy, let your tears fall down like rain Dusty fields, the distance sunset grows. Practiced as a pantomime, this recitation owned. Smile grinding to a halt, lips to match the heart. This great weight is coming down. My world is torn apart Amy, I can see your pain Amy, how do I explain? Amy, let your tears fall down like rain Kindness grown in circles quiet play. All I yearn is to see his face and then to hide away. Rivers run, mountains talk until the tears flow dry. Excuses now they're wearing thin. It's time I said goodbye Amy, I can see your pain Amy, how do I explain? Amy, let your tears fall down like rain Amy, I can see your pain Amy, how do I explain? Amy, let your tears fall down like rain. Well, welcome to this week's edition of the Wispy Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C, Walker. Yes, that's right. It's me, and we have been listening to the song Amy 
written and performed by John Durant Jr., stage name Johnny Strum sometimes. And the CD is Elevation Road, and it says it's by John Durant Jr. and the Cooperative Society. And John Durant Jr. happens to be sitting a sociable distance away from me on the Shabro stage behind the Frederick Coffee Company. It's a delightful morning. It's going to be about 97 today, but right now it's a nice, cool 88 or 89, somewhere around there. So, John, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. You're most welcome. Goodness. Wow. That takes me back. I have all these memories flooding through my head of the production of that and the writing of it and things like that. But indeed, we've been blessed with a beautiful day here. And uh, yeah, that, that just that touch of 90 degrees. <laughs> you know, I can feel the sweat dripping off my brow. And uh, it's quite lovely. It's quite yes, lovely. Yes, it is. Now, the, the CD Elevation Road has yes. been out about a little over a year, I think, hasn't it? A little it? over a year, yes. Now, who is the Cooperative Society? Uh, sometimes it's the semi-cohesive society, but yes, the Cooperative Society is a conglomerate of musicians that I love dearly uh, throughout the state of Maryland. Uh, we have uh, Jeff Havens, uh, who played bass. We have uh, Randy Watke. Uh, of the Rogues, he uh, he played the percussion. We had uh, Christopher Marshak, who added in some beautiful guitar parts and some some backup harmonies. Donna Korn, an amazing writer, she actually wrote one of the songs on the uh, CD as well, along with performing on it. Uh, Sarah Stepanek, um, I played with her in the Sham Rogues, an amazing fiddle player, and um, uh, 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 Maria Toll. Uh, she sang backup and, and did all the little things that needed help with me on this uh, in order to get things done, along with painting the cover. Oh, she painted this. She painted ah. that. That is the view of South Mountain from Braddock Heights. You know, I was wondering about that because it, it even though it's, it's somewhat, um, I'm not sure if it's a watercolor or an oil or acrylic, mm-hmm. but it does look the way the mountains do here when you do basically out your back window of your house almost. Yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, John Grant is on there as well. Oh, my goodness. John Grant. John Grant. Have you met John? I met him, gosh, 20 years ago. Uh, One time. Better than ever. Better than ever. Uh, You know, just the amazing touch of the guitar, the ability with the board. You know, it's it's all instinct and all very natural and all very smooth. And and when you go into work with John, you're you're having a wonderful relationship. It's a conversation and music back and forth. And uh, and he he laid down the guitar parts on things. He he arranged it so that way the balances were perfect. And uh, by far the the best thing I've ever created. And that's that's thanks to John. Well, I must admit that I was pleasantly surprised as to how clean and professional the CD is. Not that I shouldn't have expected that, but so many of the, what I would call the local-slash-regional singer-songwriter performers who do a CD, many of us, because it's fairly expensive to do that, tend to go in with kind of a budget in mind. And as good as the CDs are, they don't kind of, I guess, rise to the top of what we would consider radio-ready or what we would hear from professionals have who have unlimited budgets, of course, which we don't. <laughs> but I was struck by how clean the production is, how on-key your vocal is throughout the whole CD. I mean, your pitch control is really, really good. Thank you. And just how nice the CD is overall, especially that song. That's my favorite cut of the whole CD. Thank you. Thank you. I do like the one that we're going to end the show with, which your dad wrote the lyrics to and you put music yes, to. Yes, yes. What a nice ca- collaboration. I oh. know your dad doesn't write a whole lot, 
but it was uh, really a lot of fun. So those of you who are listening, look forward to face to Facebook, which yes. will be the uh, the closeout of the show. And indeed, of course, uh, Dad was on the on the CD as well. He sang on Down in the Valley with me. That was a That's song true. that yeah. I learned from him. And so it was only appropriate that we were able to uh, sing that together. Yeah, for those of you listening who are familiar with the name John Durant, yes. this is John Durant Jr. Yes. Commonly known as Johnny Strom or... I think you have two or three different monikers from uh, your days of the Renaissance Fair. One for each of my personalities, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me, let's, we're going to go back to the, the CD at some yeah. point, I'm sure, but you come from a musical family. I do, I do. Now, does your mom sing? I don't know if I've ever heard your mom sing. She does sing, she does sing. It's, um, it's uh, you know, if, if the, the moment strikes her and the, 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 the right song comes on, she'll sing right along with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's full of love and joy, and, and um, she's the biggest supporter we've got. Yeah. You know, uh, always making sure that, that things are going the right direction, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's food and clean clothes and, and all of those things that, that was going on through, you know, we're, of course, going back to my young years and, and through high school and, and things and making sure that, you know, the band uniform is pressed and things like that. So. Well, you know, go back in time for me. Okay. I mean, we know your dad is a, a performer and has yes. been for many, many years. Many people may not know this, but I know this. You performed at the Renaissance Fair from a very young age, but what was your first musical experience whether instrument or singing and uh very much guitar mm -hmm. guitar yeah dad would uh dad would uh go out of the room but before he w went out of the room he would leave the guitar on the couch and he would say don't touch that <laughs> boy what an invitation that is that's exactly <laughs> it but of course pictures of me with a guitar that's bigger than i am yeah and uh, eventually I started to figure out, okay, this makes this sound and this does this. And Dad would show me a few things and, you know, jot it down in the little ways that a kid could understand. And I think the first song that I learned how to play and sing at the same time was Tom Dooley. Oh, yeah. By the Kingston Trio. And that was all the music that I was brought up on. The, the Kingston Trio, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Pete Seeger, all the folk, all those beautiful, beautiful songs. And uh, then, lo and behold, one day uh, in school, they say, John, would you like to play an instrument? And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. What do I have to choose from? And uh, uh, Rocky Byerly, uh, Rocky Byerly from Middletown, or Jefferson at one point, and uh, he, he comes to me and he says, all right, John, you can choose this or this or this. And he's like, do you want to play trumpet? No. No. You want to play trombone? No. What about saxophone? I was like, yeah, that sounds like a jazz instrument. And of course, at that point, I didn't understand that all these other instruments he just mentioned are jazz <laughs> instruments as well. But that was my young elementary school mind at work. And then from there, at, uh, I fell into studying music professionally. I, I took it through, through college, uh, studied woodwinds, percussion, piano, and of course, guitar went right in there as well. Um, I'm more of a strummer myself, not a lead player. I can play scales and, and know those things. But, uh, but, you know, my name is Johnny Strum for a reason. <laughs> well, you know, most of the icons of the, even the rock and roll world, not just the acoustic world, are basically strummers. Yeah. The finger picker guys or the lead guys are not necessarily the front man, mm. unless they're an instrumentalist. Yeah. And that's usually the acoustic side. But mm. so... Your first band instrument was saxophone. Saxophone, which you still play, I understand. Which I do, and it's on the album too. Yes, I put a, uh, I took an old 
um, Irish, uh, oh, not a jig, but a, an Irish, uh, you call it a reel, I guess. Yeah. And um, Kind of a picked up feel, yeah, kind of so rolling it, kind it of. It sounds like something crossed between a, a garage rock band, a college jazz band, and an Irish group all in one. Wow. So it's this really kind of odd thing, but I thought, let me put the saxophone on there for, for something. And, uh, you know, to kind of confuse people a little bit, you know, make them wake up musically and say, that it's not quite what I'm used to, and uh, give those opportunities. Now, the when did you realize at what age that you wanted to study music, not just do it for fun? And you can, folks, you can hear the sirens my, in the my background. My ride's here. I yeah. gotta go. <laughs> it's the beauty of, of recording the show outdoors. <laughs> yes. So what was, when did you first decide that you wanted to pursue music kind of as a, a career and study it? In the range of high school, uh, around my sophomore, junior year, that's when I started looking at colleges for music specifically. Uh, before that, oddly enough, I wanted to be a meteorologist. Did you? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, a young dream. I, I built a, a weather station, you know, painted white, put all the different things in it, and put it out on the deck, and it was great. And I could go out and usually pretty good at predict predicting weather, but... Uh, but music was the, the thing that really drew me in. Yeah. Uh, music was the really thing that drew me in. And, and uh, went off and studied Radford a bit. Uh, came back from Radford. Uh, did some uh, more playing at uh, FCC with Howard Burns and, and the oh, jazz yeah. band over there. Learned tons from him. I great, bet. Great, great, great horn player. And uh, wonderful attitude, too. His, his, his outward presence is just glowing. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun with that. Uh, and, and, of course, just the school of life when it comes to music, you know. Who do I get to hang out with and jam with? Who can I learn something from? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, going out and buying an album because the cover looks cool, you know. <laughs> and saying, all right, what am I going to be exposed to? I'm not really sure, but, you know, there's always a song or two that pops in. Um, the thing that you'll find most, if you if you look at my, my song list or, or any of the CDs, it's a very... There's a little of this, and it goes all the way over to here. So it's a very wide range of points. And uh, I've had some people say I need to focus in it a bit more. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I guess that'll be the next album. Well, you're, you're somewhat known, though, for kind of Irish Celtic. Yes. The, and I know you and your dad, when I was running the, the Frederick Coffee Company open mic with Tommy when I'm right, and your dad would be on the bill, and then you, sometimes you'd come up and join him, or you'd be on the bill, and sometimes he'd come up with you. And obviously, you had performed for a long time in the Renaissance fairs and probably at home, so your harmonies were really good, your timing is really good. Is that where you got the interest in the, the Celtic kind of Irishy? Absolutely, absolutely. Along with those albums that I was speaking of earlier, mm -hmm. you had the Clancy Brothers, you had... Um, the the Dubliners, you had uh, all those other groups that were that were putting things out as well, and just being around it and singing and hearing Dad's early albums, you know the the things that were still on cassette and, mm -hmm. and plugging those in and learning those those old tunes, um, and and somehow he was able to pick up on that accent too, and I was able to to immerse that from him. Um, I had the, uh, the the beautiful pleasure of. Um, performing in Ireland uh, last year with the Shamrogues, uh, the Baltimore rock Irish band. And uh, we traveled over and stayed in Strad Valley and visited Dublin and Cork and several other places. And it was an amazing, amazing trip. 
the uh, the thing that I got was we were sitting just one evening when we had first gotten there, and you know I'm this kind of strange-looking hippie guy. I've got my my half beard with the you know this little bit here, and and the mutton chops on the side, and the long hair, and I'm wearing my my kind of uh, vibrant colored hippie jacket because it's a little chilly there in, in the evening, and and so we're talking to some of the younger folks in town, and we're sitting there in the pub, and and uh, they look at us and they say, "We well, you with you with the the band?" Yes. Well, we'll sing us something. And all of a sudden, of course, this, this voice comes out of my mouth and their, their jaws drop and their eyes open because they're, they don't expect this style of voice and, and timbre and, and accent to come out while I'm singing. And it was just uh, an amazing experience to be able to have that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Validity? Ver mm -hmm. Verification. Yes. That, that what I've been taught and what's come down through the the family tree, so to say, is spot on. Yeah, they were expecting psychedelic rock. <laughs> they, were, they were. They may have been hoping for it. Well, you never know. You never know. But, I, it, you know, over there, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> so now, how did you get that gig? Oh, man. Uh, by by beautiful accident, uh, Christopher Marshak, who's on the album, he and I are the brothers strum in, in another world, in another life. And... Uh, he was uh, he was overworked with the uh, the shamrocks. He was he was taking a lot of weight multiple times a week, playing many hours. And as you know, it's it's a large toll on a vocalist. And yes, it is. So uh, so he said, Johnny, I need you to you know uh, to to help me out. And I said, okay, I'll I'll sing some backup and play whistle and stuff like that. And he said, no, I need you to join the band. <laughs> have it and have it. Okay, all right. So and sure enough, it it was uh, it was such a such an, an an amazing experience to be able to join this eclectic group of unique individuals that come from all different walks, but when they come into the same room, the energy is is amazing, and that the line between the stage and the audience disappears. Mm -hmm. You know that that feeling of where's the show? You know, it's all around you. You're you're in it. You're you're immersed in the the experience. Yes, yes. And if you don't clap, you know, shame on you. Yeah, no more beer for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come on now, let's go. <laughs> so now, how many piece band is Shamrock? It's Shamrocks, right? Shamrogues. Shamrogues. Okay. Shamrogues. Yes, uh, we are an eight piece band most of the time. Um, that's good size. That's good size. Two Irish dancers. So, uh, yeah, yeah, big big group. And uh, very difficult, of course, in these times to, to get everybody together. And oh, my gosh. And, and even in normal times, just traveling locally or regionally must be difficult. But overseas? Yes. With equipment? Well, we took basic equipment with us. Uh, anything that we needed for... Uh, I, I, we borrowed guitars while we were over there. We had sound equipment lined up, things like that. But, you know, wireless gear and certain particulars that, you know, I'm accustomed to. Sure. You know, that all went into a carry-on bag and went on. And, and of course, you know, TSA gave me a, a good look over when they were looking at my uh, my wireless box. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's, you know. Well, I think it was the hair, the mutton chops, <laughs> and the little beard thing before. The, and then they went, ah, the look, the box. <laughs> okay, I get it. Like, musician, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you do, handle most of the lead vocals during that trip, or was it kind of between you and Chris? It was between, between Chris and I, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, and 
the nice part too is we get the same opportunity as you hear from dad and I to do those great harmonies back and forth. Sure. You know, because we both sung with, you know, John Sr. Yeah. And uh, we had that, that opportunity to work on those harmonies through some of the old Kingston Trio songs and, of course, the Irish tunes and, and things like that. Well, having performed with him as Brother Strum, and I remember when you guys were Brother Strum and you yes. played at the coffee company. In fact, I put a pickup in one of Chris's Martin that That's one time. That's right. That's right. The... Um, it must be a lot easier on stage because you you can almost sense what the other person's going to do or yes. know that they're there when you need them. Yes. Yes, exactly. There's the ability not only to lean, but to, uh, you know what's going to come out of their mouth next. Usually, usually. Yeah. And uh, not that things are planned, but it's, it's uh, you know, there's a spot for banter here and there's a spot for banter here. And you take this, I take that. And. It's always something new every time. The show is never quite the same. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, having that uh, finishing sentences for one, one another type thing. Now, I, wa I want to go back to when you were playing with Howard Burns at FCC. Oh, yeah. Were you playing sax then? Yes. Okay. Yes, I was playing tenor sax and uh, playing all the, the old standards mm -hmm. and, and challenging my chops in that direction um, and having a lot of fun doing it. You know, we were playing with... Uh, uh, people from all over the county. There were a couple of great high school players that were coming in and joining us. And uh, a wonderful well of talent when it comes to when musicians yeah. in, in the area. Um, and uh, I look forward to going and being able to see those shows again here soon, too. Now, which saxophone, size-wise, do you play normally? What's your, ver your sax? My... my Chewy middle is uh, is alto these days. Um, I I've played alto, tenor, barry, and uh, a little bit of soprano years ago. Uh, but these days it's it's alto is mm -hmm. where I where I like to hang out. Is that the is that the sax that fits in most music? Like if you're only going to play one, is that the one that fits all the genres best, or not necessarily? I mean, tenor's probably a bit more uh, used as far as the, that gutsy sound. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on what style you're talking about. But yeah, I would say in, in rock music and, and, and things like that, you would probably hear more tenor. Okay. Uh, things like that. But like Dave Coz. You remember mm -hmm. Dave Coz. There was that neat old song, Bang Bang, he put out years ago. And, and he was playing the alto saxophone on that. And it was just perfect. Just, you know, right, right area, right energy. Uh, and... Uh, but then you go and, and listen to Roger Waters, the pros and cons of hitchhiking. He plays on there with Eric Clapton, Ray Cooper, and, of course, Roger Waters. And he's playing um, a combination of tenor and alto and just doing all that amazing Dave Cosness. Is that a possible thing to say? Cosness? It is, of course. Okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we can uh, put a footnote down there. That's from John Durant, yes. Jr. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Please, please take it. <laughs> yep, it's in the dictionary now. Good. Yeah. Online. <laughs> now, I'm somewhat of a novice. At, well, I shouldn't say somewhat. It's more like uneducated as far as sax. All right. It would seem to me that since a tenor is a higher voice than an alto, mm -hmm. that the size of the instrument would be smaller? Yes. The smaller the instrument, the higher the pitch. Okay. Yeah. So soprano, alto, tenor. Barry, and then bass, and then contrabass, and there's like 
I think there's like 50 contrabass saxophones around. You know, I was going to say, quite rare. They, they probably look like those big wooden horns that you see in Switzerland that go about 20 oh, feet out from you. It's incredible. It's all wrapped around itself. And oh, is it really? It's got to have its own stand to sit on. I'm, I'm sure the mouthpiece for them is probably like a, like a shoe. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it picks up the same frequencies as a bass. I, I, or, or lower, I, I would I think. I presume so. I've, I, I've never heard one in person. Um, I've only seen them. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's quite a, it's like, you know, probably the pedals on an mm-hmm. organ type thing. Yeah, that real. It might even be inaudible to the human ear. It's just, it, you sense it, you don't actually hear it. Depending <laughs> on who's playing, you may not want to hear it. Now, soprano, is is that shaped like a typical, or is that more of a straight, like a uh, clarinet? A, straight like a clarinet, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can get them curved as well, but, you know, that makes them real tiny and cool looking. Though. So what makes them different from a clarinet, then? Um, the material, first off, the, uh, the, the soprano sax is made from brass where a clarinet is made from wood. Oh, that's true. And yep. you're going to get a much different warmth from each one where, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the soprano is much brighter and, and, um, brassier. Yeah. I guess now, can you play say. a soprano as well? I can. I mean, is the fingering the same from each version? It is. It is. Yes. Just the only difference is how far apart your fingers are. Okay. Um, and it made the switch over from saxophone to Irish whistle very, very uh, simple. Um, with Irish whistle, it's linear. It's a D as a D on the saxophone, D as a D on an Irish whistle. Oh, it is. It's not yeah. different fingering. Very, very similar. Only a couple of little things where, all right, I've got additional keys that I can use with my pinkies on the saxophone in order to give sharps and flats. The uh, Irish whistle, you would have to half hole, you know, one of those little spots. Or simply set down your D whistle and pick up a G whistle instead and play in a totally different key. So it makes transposition very, very simple. If, uh, if I'm hanging out with a group and they say, okay, this next Irish song is in G, okay, I grab my G whistle and go on through it from there. So how many different whistles are there one for each key or are they Literally, all, one like four and then they all kind of work you can get uh d d sharp e uh f f sharp g uh, the entire way through so somebody sort, sort somebody of, will make it yeah somebody. sort of like a harmonica you have to have a whole case yes yes uh, i typically carry four okay on on uh, i can get away with that between uh using um you know all right so i can play on a d whistle i can also play in g Okay, by, by working with those things. Um, I can play an E minor on it. I can, all the different modes, things like that. So that's where, once again, going back to the study of saxophone and, and the professional musician side, uh, knowing what mode I need. All right, so they're playing this. I can still use this whistle. So it makes it easier to have a lighter bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you're walking around a festival, you know, for 20 miles a day. Good point. Yeah. You wouldn't be uh, carrying too many of those no. really big saxes around. No, no. There was uh, there's pictures of me from from years ago when Dad Dad and I were playing at uh, the uh, the Maryland Renaissance Festival in Crownsville, and you see me and I've got a guitar slung on my back, I have my pouch with whistles on my side, and I have a mandolin on my front. <laughs> so it would, it would just be the swing around of whichever instrument that I needed at the time, and of course what we did most was strolling, you know, yes. from one spot to the next, and and hanging out and having a good time with the people and. And once again, you know, the line between the stage and the audience disappearing. Yes. You know, it's, it's you're a part of the show. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, y- y- you learn to simplify, I guess, and, and carry only what you need to survive. <laughs> 
Now, I learned quite by mistake when I purchased a harmonica. I thought, well, you know, I have friends who play harmonica on a rack and, and play guitar and then sing around it. I'll buy a harmonica. I never thought that they come in different keys. And, of course, I, I just couldn't make it sound good whatsoever. But I've also learned that if you're playing in the key of E, you don't play an E harmonica. No. Is it the same with the whistles? Same with, well, similar. I mean, like, all right, so, all right, I'm playing the Wild River. I've been a Wild River for many a year. All right, on that one, that song is a G, so I would play a G whistle on that one. But I could also play a D whistle. Because the D, uh, all I have to do is change that C sharp, which would be open, and cover the two fingers there, and then I've got a, an open C. So that works out great as well. Does it get confusing sometimes? Sometimes. The only issue is, and it's gotten better over recent years, for the longest time, everything transposing went mentally first to saxophone, then to piano, and then it would roll back around into my hands on the guitar. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it worked like that, but th- that was apparently the process because it was like running home to mama, and mama's the <laughs> saxophone. So it somehow has it streamlined a bit, but transposition is, is a, little, uh, a little bit easier than it once was. It's sort of like when learning a foreign language. It takes a long time. Let's just use French as an example. Oui, oui. Study French for, yeah, oui, oui. He's, it's right around the corner. <laughs> okay. Merci. Yeah. But you learn the French. You become fairly proficient at it. But you think in English and, and translate into French. And it takes a long time to get so you can think in French. That's sort of like transposing. Yes, yes. There was uh, my friend who had uh, lived in France for about six months, and he started dreaming in French, and he said, it's time to go home. <laughs> Either that or just... Buy a house. Buy a house, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Gosh, now, what do you prefer to play? If you're going to sit well, around the house, well, <laughs> I think there's many of us who are still trying to reach that, <laughs> that level. But if you're just sitting around the house and you feel like doing something musical, what do you pick up? Uh, the guitar. You do pick up guitar. the guitar. Absolutely. Uh, it's, I mean, if I'm, if I'm also working on my breathing, if I'm feeling stressed out, I'll pick up the whistle. It's oh, really? Absolutely. It's great for great for core energy. Um, the idea because you're 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 nearly constantly playing. It's your you know if you're playing a uh, you know a Morrison's jig for example. Yeah, you're going through and you play it three or four times through in a row. You're getting just these quick moments to breathe in and out because you're not just breathing in. You have to be able to exhale the carbon dioxide that's building up. Besides just blowing it through this little tone hole, so. It's very, very good for, for that core belly breathing and, and things like that. So if you're having a stressful day, write down. Well, I would imagine, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, sure. but the intake of breath can be quick or deep if there's mm-hmm. no instrument, but the outflow has to be consistent, yes. right? Yes. Sometimes strong, sometimes weak, sometimes like right in the middle, yes. depending on what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that would be somewhat, I don't know if it would be relaxing, although I guess if you're concentrating on that, your brain's not worrying about the girl you almost got to date yep. for the fact that you got a flat tire on the way to rehearsal, things exactly. like that. It kind of takes you away. Exactly, exactly. Uh, aside from that, I, I sit down and, and pick up the guitar and, and 
find that right beginning chord, whatever it is, whatever the mood, E minor, C, G, F, and then I'll find where my heart is leading and, and play a song. And it might be something that's new I, that I've, mm -hmm. you know, ooh, that's kind of cool. So let's mess with that a little bit. Now, you mentioned piano. Yes. Do you still play? The piano is a tool for me. Okay. I cannot call it an instrument because there are so many amazing, amazing, amazing piano players, uh, and I'm nowhere near that. It's, it's, I can look at the keyboard and understand it, and, and I can use it to figure out a song. Um, I can uh, use it to help work on uh, uh, structure of melodies and harmonies. Uh, but when it comes down to sitting and playing out a tune, it's it's not much more than you're going to get out of me th than chopsticks. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I I've forgotten who what her name is now. Gosh, she lives lives in New York City. She doesn't tour much because she has young children. Sure. But she played at the Frederick Coffee Company one time, and we had many piano players doing the piano prelude. Mm -hmm. And I was standing in the little bar looking over her shoulder because at that point in time I could get a good photograph of the reflection of the piano player in the face of the piano because of the way Rod DC, when he used to do the lights, they'd be so bright that they'd be well lit. So sure. it, was, it was terrific. And she had an actual three-song set, or might, she might even have been the featured artist. I wish I could remember her name. Anyway, she's playing along, and I'm watching her, and never once did she take her eyes off the crowd or the microphone. She never looked at her hands. And every piano player I had ever seen there they might look at the crowd and they'd look at their hands and they'd look at the crowd and they're looking at the hands and doing this and they look up to sing and they sing like this. And I said to her after the performance, how do you, you must really know the keyboard so well. You must have played from a young kid because you never look at it. And she goes, well, I do know it. But she says, what you don't realize is when I'm singing, I'm playing very simplistically. Yes. When I'm not singing, that's when I throw in all the pyrotechnics. Yes. She says, and I know it well enough. But she was the only one. But many piano players who are in bands or part of a ensemble, mm -hmm. other than if they're taking some sort of a lead that a guitar player might have done, they're actually just playing sort of like the drummer. They're doing the rudimentary stuff just to kind of keep the beat and keep everybody. Yes. Am I wrong in that? No, not at all. My, my piano teacher when I was a child used to tape a piece of paper to the back of my hands to keep me from looking down at the keys. She's oh, like, really? you, know, you know where they are. Don't stop looking down. I should try that on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Drape it over. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, the, uh, uh, I had a piano thing, and I can't think of where it went. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The uh, Market Cafe Bistro. No, no, the, uh, the Park Bistro. Yeah, Le Park, right. Le Park, okay. Mm -hmm. There was... The, this has been several years at this point, so I don't know if he's still playing there or not. But um, perfect flow, absolutely perfect flow. He was going into show tunes. He was going into uh, movie themes. He was going into Brahms, Bach, and just, just flowing through it. He played a little bit from one, played a little bit from the next, and so entertaining. And I'm, I'm watching him, and every once in a while you'd see he had a tablet, you know, up there in front of him. And I'm, you know, I'm figuring there's a lot of musicians these days that are reading music from, from digital sources. And he'd, every once in a while, he'd reach up and just swipe along, keep playing, and take the other hand down, looking around the restaurant. After a while, I go up and I look, and he's reading Moby Dick. 
He's reading a novel? He's reading a novel. While he's playing the while piano. While he's playing the piano. <laughs> and and the most beautiful, you know, flow of, of, you know, one song into the next. No, just completely seamless. And just reading. Multitasking. Minds work that way. Not mine, but... No, no, I... You know. People would turn around and look, oh, where'd the music go? Because yeah. I'm reading the next paragraph. I have to, uh, when, when, the, when it's hockey season and we're, we're out playing gigs, I had to practice in front of the television, not reacting to, uh. to the game going on because I get very excited as, you know, I, 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 love, I love the guys, Backstrom and Ovechkin and, and it's Oshie and, oh man, I, I, I love hockey. And I'm watching, and I realized early on, I'd get really excited when something would happen. I'd have to calm down, calm down. Tempo goes up, tempo <laughs> goes down. <laughs> <laughs> so after a while, I'd, when the game was on, that's when I would do my practicing and just not reacting to what's going on in the television. I played with a drummer percussionist, or he would come out and say, do you mind if I sit in? He had a, a, a Zen drum, oh, which yeah. is, is, is basically a controller, and he just holds it's almost like a guitar, but it's wedge-shaped with buttons, and, and each one had a different drum sound. And whenever I would do my Chicago songs, beginnings, yeah, he would say, watch your tempo, because I had a tendency, because I liked the song, I'd start it off too fast. Mm -hmm. And so whenever he was with me, and we were playing at the Frederick Coffee Company one time, and it was packed. This is back, gosh, I don't even know who was the owner, but this is good. 18 years ago, probably 15, sure. more than that, 18, 20 years ago. And it was summertime. All the kids had just finished their, all the counselors had just finished their summer camp. They're in a good mood. The place was packed. A lot of young girls around. He liked the ladies. So I said, let's do the Chicago medley. And he goes, watch your tempo. So I started off. By the end of the song, I couldn't even strum that fast because I'm following him. What it was, he was wireless, so he walked out into the audience, and he's chatting with the young ladies and getting excited, and everything just sped up. And so when he got back, I said, don't you ever tell me to watch tempo again. And he's like, what? It's not me. Yeah. No, it's the girls. It's the girls. But that is a common problem, for, at least for me. I, I'm so... Excited to play sometimes I go Todd you have to slow down. Yeah, it may sound slow to you, but it's not it's it's probably two beats faster than it should be Yeah Now when you're in the studio We were talking about watching hands and putting the paper on your hands mm -hmm. on the piano and things like that Like many guitar players. Do you occasionally look at your left hand? Of course in the studio when you record like when you did elevation road mm -hmm. Was that all tracked, or did you play a guitar and sing at the same time? It was, we would lay it out uh, full with vocals on top, and then re-record the sections to clean everything up where okay. there were bobbles. Um, and uh, then I would go back through, once we had the guitar part laid out and everything underneath, then sing the, the final version of the, uh, the, the vocals, so that way I'm not thinking about the guitar, thinking about this, I can get the emotion right, I can get in my head in the right place for the song and really think about what's going on. Um, it's a challenge sometimes. You have to prepare for both and in that way. Um, you know, and getting ready in early on 
Uh, I think this was my third album, fourth album that I was involved with. The first two I didn't use a metronome. I was kind of against it. And, uh, and I made sure, I said, well, we're going to do it right this time. So uh, everything was practiced for months with a metronome just to lock in and be ready for that constant click in my ear. Uh, it's very, very different than playing with another musician, as you know. Uh, I have difficulty with that. Yeah. There's no forgiveness when it comes to a metronome. Now, did you find yourself in the beginning wandering or tr chasing the metronome? Or how, was it fairly easy for you? Uh, it was easier simply for the fact of working with drum books uh, in, in my high school and college years and working with metronomes over and over uh, with classical music. You start slow, bring up the tempo, bring up the tempo, bring up the tempo. But I have a on some songs a strum pattern that is inconsistent mm -hmm. and that goes right with my heartbeat so the guitar is definitely a different animal than the saxophone and all that training once again brain saxophone piano <laughs> to guitar and so it took a little extra work there but yes once you got it and figuring out you know what was going on no problem yeah yeah now when you have rehearsed or say, let's use Amy as an example because okay. you wrote that one so you must have sung that at home many 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 times mm -hmm. before you ever went into the recording studio actually we finished it while we were in the studio you did yeah, yeah it was it was uh, it was very very shortly before and uh, we were working in there we we're still trying to figure out the last little bits of some things in it and uh, I was talking with my buddy Dustin down in Richmond and he said I, I kind of get where you're going with this but you know, I, I want to feel it when, you know, I want to feel where you're coming from in this song. You should, uh, you should have a little bit of pain with a song like this. And once I finally started representing where things were, where my heart was, and what this was about, that's when the song came together. And that's when we pressed hard in pushing into the album, once I had something original. And it was trying to decide also, was this album going to be Johnny Strum? Or was this going to be for me? And it was such a personal song that I couldn't put it under a, a, a false name. Well, it does say, in memory of. Yes. Now, is that a fellow musician or? Yes, uh, Scott Fisher. He is the person. It's actually, Amy is about a brother and sister. And um, he was taken from us way, 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 mm -hmm. way too soon. An amazing musician, guitar player, uh, human, just a, an amazing human and an artist and he showed it in every facet of his life and one day he was just gone yeah and um, my my buddy Dusty calls me up late in the evening and he said uh, John I I wanted you to hear it from a human voice and not just on the internet that uh, Scott's gone and um, I went to the funeral and and I, I you know I didn't know what to say I didn't know what to do there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people trying to get in this little tiny you know, a funeral home in Middletown, Maryland. And I uh, just had a brief moment just to give a smile and a hug and a tear and get out the door. And, um, and uh, the song originally rooted itself in um, uh, Rosie, which was written by uh, uh, Tom Waits. That uh, Rosie, I can see, uh, the three in a row. And I started writing it based on that Amy, Amy, Amy. And I'm like, no, it's not quite the right tune. And, uh, and Maria started exposing me to some other music from, from Russia. 
and I started hearing those chord patterns and that that different you know modulation mm -hmm. through. And I said, okay, this kind of works, and, and I've been messing about with that, and 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 then it all stacked on itself, and it came together just at that that moment, and um, and I took it to John, and I said I want to you know do. Uh, strings on it. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want the guitar part to be right. We brought in uh, three different guitar players, lead guitar players, because the idea that I had in mind was trying to match Scott, you know, trying to match his rock style guitar. But it just it didn't work with everything else going on with the song. And and John sat down and and came back to me with what you've heard on there, and it was absolute perfection. Well, I was going to ask you in the production or the the pre-production, which means before you actually put things on tape. Are you somewhat of a producer in your head where you say, okay, this song, I think we should have accordion, I think we should have this or this, or is that more like, because I don't think that way, so I'm asking you, do you think that way, or is it more like you sit down with John, who's the engineer, but maybe a co-producer or whatever, mm -hmm. and say, this is the feel I want the song to have. What do you? What? What do we think we should put on here? That's exactly it. Is that That's what it exactly is? Exactly it. Um, and when I prepare a song, I record it for myself first. You know, video, see how it's going, everything else, and then I can go back and listen to it and say, okay, well, I, I want a Balron here instead of a, you know, a drum set. Um, I think strings should be in this section, but it should be very subtle. Uh, you know. Uh, the <laughs> The fun one about the song you're going to hear later the uh, was was the uh, the slide guitar. I called up Chris and I and I, in my head I'm like I'm hearing this George Harrison thing. I'm like, do you have a guitar that works for a slide? He's like, why? <laughs> I was like, well, I, I want some George Harrison style slide guitar. He said, I can do that, Johnny. So <laughs> we raised up the bridge on the uh, on the uh, Stratocaster and mm -hmm. brought that in. It worked out perfectly though. Well, Mitch, who I spoke with yesterday on Mike, just for the fun of it. Yeah. Because we let in with your Amy song. I did it just the way I normally would, although he and I started talking over it very quickly because I, I and I thought it was going to be a five or ten minute just sit down. We ended up talking for almost an hour. Oh, but, that's beautiful. And I said, and we're going to leave now with Face to Facebook by John Durant Jr. I introduced, you know, mentioned your dad and, and so forth. And as soon as that slide comes in, he goes, oh, George Harrison. So you were successful in that. And oh, it, I love it. And this is a fellow who enjoys music, but he's not a musician. But he could identify it very, very quickly. Good. And it is. And Good. I hadn't thought about it. I get immersed in the sound overall. Like if someone says, well, what do the lyrics say? Uh... uh because I don't know, because I just listen to the whole thing. Exactly. I have to go back and, and put the words in front of me. I do, too. Yeah, yeah. But once it all comes together, that's, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Now, do you find in the studio, or, yes, in the studio, when you're laying down like the scratch track and you're playing guitar and singing, and then you go through the whole tracking and everything, and then you're going to do the final vocal... Do you find that you sing the song differently when you're not playing the guitar? Very much so. So how do you deal with that? Is it a better way or not? Or do you have to really work at trying to recreate? I have to hold the guitar. Oh, okay. That's not a bad way to do it. I never thought of that. I have to hold the guitar. Yeah. Just just having it in my arm. It's, it's a security blanket. Well, no, I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> it's always there. Yeah. 
Yeah, indeed. And I never thought of doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just hold the guitar in your arms, and it, it, it makes the biggest difference. Ah. I'm going to have to try that when I can go back into the studio, because I find it very difficult to sing. I'm not a vocalist. I mean, mm-hmm. I sing. I'm a vocalist. But I'm not solely a vocalist who stands up with nothing in my hands. Mm-hmm. So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. I know that Amy Mann one of many people who perform always plays guitar and sings at the same time. And I think for the same reason, she's, she has to have the guitar to make the vocal work. Yeah. So maybe there's many of us like that, but I never thought of that, John. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Very cool. So how do you sing and play Irish whistle at the same time? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not in public. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now, the um, this is a combination of of older traditional songs a combination of and originals both your dad's lyrics and yours with amy how often are you an original songwriter is that something you do all the time but you just don't perform much or is it occasional no it's it's uh uh i take uh the the first original song i've written completely completely was amy um i've taken many people's lyrics and put it to other music one of the things that I'm known for is, you know, mashing up songs, making, mm-hmm. you know, taking an old Irish tune and putting it to a, uh, the, uh, taking an old Irish set of lyrics and putting it to a tune by America, you know, and people oh, are like, okay. that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you doing, John? But, um, but yeah, having, having that come through. Uh, there's always something going on in my head as far as lyrics. Uh, if you go in and, and find my backs of scrap papers, you'll find just bits of lyrics written on everything. And then one day I'll pull them out and, oh, that goes with that, that goes with that. Let me match this together and come up with a, a main theme. And lo and behold, a song is written. Uh, I, a creative process is, is very, it happens all at once. It's An idea is planted a while back and then, this part comes in and this part comes in and maybe a conversation I've had with somebody. It's, it, something comes back and it's like, oh, I can, you know, that, that's something I hadn't thought of yet. So let me put those things together. But, uh, but yeah, the, the first song on the album, Crazy Inside, that was sent to me by uh, Jerry Hetrick down in uh, uh, Virginia Beach. Very dear friend. And... He had just gone through this weird time in their neighborhood. They had had some issues with neighbors and, and this and that. And, and I was uh, working through different tunes. And I said, how can I express this the right way? And, and just started working with an, another tune that I didn't like the lyrics for and then just melded it into my own from there. Um, and uh, it's got excitement. It's got a, a rock beat to it. It's got... Uh, the, the fun baseline entry and uh, the very weird part at the beginning from Reefer Madness. You know, when you first turn on the, mm-hmm. the thing, it's, uh, sit down and play something for me. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, the bass part, do you play bass as well? I can. Uh, once again, it's like, you know, I can play scales. Um, my, I think my heartbeat is a little too inconsistent for, you know, being that bass player that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. person has to be the rock, you know, yeah. everything, everything goes right back to the bass. And I'm very, very blessed to know several amazing bass players. Um, I myself uh, 
can play it, but it would be it wouldn't be for a band. It right. wouldn't be for a band. Or it would be root notes only. Yes. That's yes. the way I play bass, yeah. and I'm not and, a bass player at all. And you know, jazz, you know, walking a bass line, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I can I can do the the, uh, the blues, you know, just from messing about with it on guitar and stuff like that. So if you hand me a bass, I can play that for you. Well, the fact that Amy was your first, I think you said it was your first complete song. Yes. It's a pretty good song for your first one. Thank you. I mean, that's an excellent song. Thank you. I hope I hope there's more. <laughs> Well, I'm sure there will be, but how long from uh, the original thought to being in the studio and, and, and finishing it? Two years. It was that long? Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it sat in the closet for a while. Uh, when I started with the original idea, it came together in 30 minutes. And then I let it sit and then started looking at getting in the studio again, but I needed something original. And I went back to Amy and we had another discussion and came up with the, the new influences in my life coming from different directions. And, and sure enough, it, it all came together uh, in the matter of a couple of weeks. How much of a point. different song is it now than it was in the beginning? It still tears me up. It's a hard, hard song to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one that, uh, that definitely brings out the emotions. And... Um, Every time it's a little something different. I mm-hmm. learn. It's like uh, watching a movie or reading a book again. Even though I wrote it, I can get something out of. Oh, that I didn't think of that that way. Um, some people will come to me and they say, "Well, is this you know a, a breakup song?" I said, "No, no, <laughs> nothing like that. Nothing like that." Um, but uh, the, you know, that having that moment and, and and having my own amazing sister and and thinking about what those siblings, you know, mm-hmm. sibling now. Has, has gone through and, and trying to, to focus that empathy or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, it, it, was, it, it was a difficult process. Well, I find it sometimes very difficult to express my emotions verbally, talking with someone, but yet, and it may not be my own song, it may be someone else's, but I can do it through singing. Yes. Now, how did Amy uh, react to the song? She thought it was beautiful. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I got a, got a, a glowing letter back, so I was oh, very, very thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, a, that's a tough thing, too. How, how is somebody going to react to such a personal, you know, moment in, the, in their life and being put in a song? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I, I'm glad that I got that kind of response. So what's on tap for John Durant Jr. Mm-hmm. musically in the future? And also Johnny Strum. Oh my goodness! Uh, two different personalities. Two, two totally different personalities. Um, we have a uh, show coming up with the Cooperative Society at Red Shedman. I know where that place is. Yeah, <laughs> August twenty second. August twenty second. I'm excited. And hopefully it's not ninety nine degrees. And hopefully it's not ninety nine degrees. I do recommend, as I think I was saying before, I was checking with you about that. Folks, bring a little canopy, you know, umbrellas. Yep. You know, make sure you can weight them down, things like that. Bring blankets. There's plenty of room on the lawn. Um, plenty of room for social distance. So, uh, but uh, you know, bring your mask, and that way you can go in and. Uh, slip over to the uh, wine cellar or go into Red Shedman and uh, pick up whatever you would like. Uh, can can folks bring a nice picnic lunch too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, the food truck would rather you well, order from them. But. All right, bring bring a food truck then. <laughs> the last time I played there, there was a 
100% grass-fed burger truck right next to the stage. Uh-huh. And I'm about an hour into the show because it's the Red Shedman. We, we play from 4.30 to 7.30 because someone else from the winery plays or they book one to four. So the food truck's been there since probably 11.30. And I'm about an hour into my set and I'm, I like to throw around, you know, oh, the snowball people are here, you know, grab a snowball. And then the Red Shedman booth up there and, oh, we have 100 percent grass-fed beef burgers and the girl mm-hmm. quickly pops her head out the side door which is right next to me goes we're sold out oh they're sold out forgetting that people because there were probably a thousand people there not just in front of me sure but throughout so it's a big piece of land it is a large piece of land do you realize that when they have their have you ever been to one of their festivals no no i have not either and i'll tell you why i don't want to go see one of the be, be part of the, one of their festivals when we used to perform indoors on a Friday night mm-hmm. in the tasting room, and there'd only be 10 people there, they would have, on festival weekends, they'd have all the cases of wine stacked everywhere for the festival. And I think it was one of the first times. And I said, are you shipping out a lot of wine? She goes, no, tomorrow on Sunday is a festival. We have to prep for it. I said, oh. Well, I go home. Saturday and Sunday poured. I mean, downright poured all day long. So the next Friday I go out, and I said, so, gosh, you must have had a rough weekend with the festival. And they said, yeah, it was horrible. I said, well, what was the turnout? And she goes, oh, it was really bad. There's only about three to 4,000 people here. <laughs> it was really bad, and there were three to 4,000 people. I said, how many do you normally get? And she goes, oh, 15 to 20,000. Oh. That's why I won't go to a festival there. Yeah. Can you imagine those back roads? Oh. My word. Oh. But... For John Durant Jr. Yeah. and the Cooperative Society, mm-hmm. I hope there's at least 500. Yes, yes. Absolutely. All social distancing. <laughs> uh, let's see. And Johnny Strum. Johnny Strum. I think uh, we've got one thing currently on the books, uh, which will be a Big Dub Festival. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No. No, not at all. No. Okay. Do you know what EDM music is? EDM. I Ele- should. Electronic dance music. And you're going to play at that festival? Dubstep, house, things like that, all right? So what they do is they, you know, they've got the things going on stage, everything else. And I am this weird little oddity that comes out. And the rest of the music's all electronic. And here's this fellow walking around in an odd costume with a guitar, singing to people and, and having fun and things While like that. While the electronic music is playing? It's a huge, huge, huge piece of land in Artemis, Pennsylvania. Four Quarters Farm, beautiful, beautiful place. And there's uh, people that camp out there. They usually start around uh, Wednesday and then stay through Sunday. And uh, and it's just this wonderful meeting of, of uh, magical minds and uh, artistic personalities and, and joyous people. And you go and, and interact the best you can. And, I'm kind of a person who just goes from campsite to campsite to campsite and just walk the entire ground singing to people. And uh, uh, they, they have me sing on a couple of stages, but, but it's usually like a late night type of thing. Sure. I was out there at, uh, for a small, small, small event, which was uh, 200, about 200 people, you know. Um, and they, uh, they put me on two stage sets. Uh, I had a, a 2 a.m. set. 2 a.m.? 2 a.m. Yes. My word. <laughs> and then and then a 1 uh, p.m., which was the first one on that stage the next day. 
but uh, but yeah, no, it's it, and it's fun because everybody's, you know, it's it's dark and the lights are going and everything else, and I just sing them all the fun songs and get them clapping and sing along, and teach them new things, and it's you know it, it gives me opportunity to to hang out and and take the pulse of the millennials, you know. Well, as we speak, it's July two thousand twenty. Yes, we are. I guess in what phase two or hopefully phase three of the uh, recovery, so to speak. Although some states are having surges again, and so they're they're battening down the hatches again. For many musicians, yourself included, yes, it's been a difficult four months. It's week to week, week to week. Everything, as you said, you're looking at the venues, you're looking at the states, you're looking at the CDC, you're looking at your own health. Most mm-hmm. importantly, because you want to protect your patrons, your audience, the people yes. who are supporting you, and you're the most—how uh, do I put it? The, the most, the biggest danger in the room. Right. Um, you know, you're you're standing up on stage, belting out music, and everything that's in your lungs and in your head and in your mouth is mm-hmm. just flying out in the crowd. Um, so it's being very aware of of your surroundings and and you know my personal. Uh, guidelines at this point are outside or, or no audience right and uh, proper social distancing has to be adhered to and um, you know it, it's a it's it's real how it's much real. of a crimp has it put on your performing life uh, it, it's kinked the hose yeah uh, there's there's a little water getting through but but there's there's very little flow yeah when it comes down to it and uh, and I think you know we're, we're all getting to that point of where it's about to burst. It's, come on, let's, let's get through this. Now, is there any backup plan for many of us? I mean, I'm not a full-time musician. I play regularly, or I, I would like to say regularly, which is once, maybe twice a month, but on probably more once a month. Mm-hmm. But there are many folks like yourself who are full-time musicians. Yeah, yeah. If, perchance the indoor venues for the next year are no longer available to us. Yeah. What is the back backup plan when we get into colder weather where we cannot do outdoor performances? I am going to buy a gorilla costume. Okay. You know, well yeah. padded, yeah. you know, nice and, yep. and things like that. And then just, you know, uh, people can hire me and I'll come to, the, come to your place of employment or your, or your door and sing you a song, or, <laughs> you know, hand you some balloons, things like that. Put down the little three-foot square piece of wood and tap dance. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you know, hey, the possibilities are endless. There you go. There you go. Well, hopefully, the current surges we're seeing will be controlled. And as we know, there are... The labs are working overtime, triple yes. overtime, quadruple yes. overtime to try to come up with some sort of a vaccination yes. or some kind of a drug that um, minimizes the effects of the disease, hopefully yes. so we can get back to, I mean, I would love normal life to be back by September. I think it's going to be next year, probably. I agree. I agree. The, um, now, did you do many like Facebook lives or anything oh, like yes. that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, usually it would be, uh, you know, Friday nights usually when I would go on and do something. And, uh, sometimes I'd announce it three hours before, mm-hmm. three days before. Sometimes I'd just sign on and be like, go live. And yep. whoever's happens to show up. Uh, and that's always a, a, a fun experience to do and have that reaction and, and uh, be able to communicate with the audience through, you know, little, little messages. And it allows for some people who wouldn't normally speak up at, a, uh, at an event 
to allow them another way to express themselves. You know, maybe they won't say two words, you know, when you see them out at a, at a winery, but online they're saying, oh, play this. Oh, I'd love that song. That was wonderful. And, and um, it, it definitely is allowed for different expressions in that way and, and, and opening up of new doors. Well, someone I spoke to fairly recently, it might have been Ken DeMuth. I don't remember who. But he was saying how he was doing a Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And he said, I looked down, and there's 357 people watching me. And I said, you can tell that? And he said, yes, there's a spot on the screen, evidently, that shows how many people are logged in yeah. watching it. And I'm thinking, well, I know Facebook is global. Yes. But just the same, if I were performing a Facebook Live, I'd be happy with two. Yeah. But he had, you know, three. So have you noticed that, too, that you can see a little number? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's usually three, four people. You know. you know, I would think, the only reason I think maybe he had so many is because he had told so many close friends. Yeah. And they told close friends who told close friends. Oh, yeah. You know, it's that whole oh, yeah. whole thing that we hope for when we do live performances, that a busload of our people come up and fill the venue, which rarely happens, of course. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you tape, or I still call it film, but how do you tape? You're live. Just use your iPhone or your phone. Yeah. Um, when we do two different methods, uh, Zoom meetings, uh, where we're doing our folk sing, monthly folk sing, which is third Thursdays. We're still doing those. And the nice part is we've got the group in Wheaton, Maryland, where we normally have it at the Limerick Pub. And then uh, Brad Howard is the leader of was the leader of this one. Now he's moved to Gastonia, North Carolina, and they have the the little um, tap house. The Gaston, oh, the Gaston Poorhouse. I'm sorry, the Gaston mm-hmm. Poorhouse, and a lovely venue. But nobody's quite ready to go back into a venue and and have this. It's just everybody singing is not the best way to do it. So what we've done is combine forces. Now we've got people from Maryland getting to hang out with people in North Carolina and and creating connections in that way that were never possible before. Now, how would someone find out? when you're going to do your Facebook Live or you're going to do this folk thing or whatever oh, it is? Oh, uh, I, I, I posted on Facebook, um, John Durant Jr., and I put most things. I'm pretty good about putting on johndurantjr.com, or you can look up johnnystrum.com, the same same website, uh, two different arms to it. So, okay, so it's yeah. not two separate websites. Not, well, it's it's two separate domain names, but it, but it leads Links to the same, to the same one. So you can go there and you can also see what's going on with the Shamrocks. You click on mm-hmm. the link. You click on Johnny Strem. Uh, you can go on and see the songs that I play. You can listen to the album. Um, there's all sorts of neat little juicy things that are done on this website. And, uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to learn more about me, that's, that's a nice way to go about it. Or pick up the phone and call. I'm always always available. There you go. The What is your musical dream? The thing you've always wanted to do musically? If there is one, or there may be many. There's many. There's many. Uh, you know, keep playing around in different countries. You know, work my way around as a musical ambassador. It's, it, I never see the, the image of me on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people. That's, that's not who I am. But the ability to be able to go and, and have, you know, those 5, 10, 15, 20 people that I've picked up just by singing open air, you mm-hmm. know, not through a microphone, and, and having those moments that they'll talk about, oh, this guy, he just came up and sang to us, you know? 
And uh, those are the moments that I want to be able to continue having and being able to communicate what's in my heart um, and do it as long as I can, you know, and, and stay healthy. Well, that's the key right now, for yeah. sure. Now, when you're out and about performing, mm-hmm. which we, we understand is, is far and few between in today's world, but do you carry CDs with you? I do. I do. I carry uh, CDs, and I also carry download cards because mm-hmm. those are very lightweight. They are. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it nice. Uh, also, you can find me on Spotify. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Pandora. You can find me on pretty much everyone out there except for Amazon. I did not put my, I pulled it off Amazon. I'm curious why. You want to know? Oh, okay. All right. Um, when I put it on Amazon, it was through CD Baby. You know, they took care of everything. And uh, my album on my website, I think the minimum it sells for anywhere is $15. Amazon put it on there for $6.75. And I went to them through CD Baby, and they said, there's no channel to which communicate with them on, on this at all. So I tried sending them a note as a vendor. And they said, no, you're not. Are, we're dealing with the warehouse. We're, you don't, we don't deal with you, you know. So um, I know I'm missing a demographic there, but uh, I've noticed there are many, many other folk musicians that have also pulled their music off of there as well because of poor treatment, bad counts, um, low-balling prices, things like that. And, um, and I, I, you know, they're, they're going to be fine without my, my music. There's other places to listen to it. Well, I was going to say, and you're fine without them, too. I'm so. fine without them, too. Now, exactly. can someone uh, order your C- CDs on your website? Indeed. Indeed. Whether it's physical copy or digital download? Send me a note, and I'll send it right out to you. Very good. Absolutely. Well, John, this has been wonderful. Thank you very much. Oh, goodness, Todd, this is a pleasure. And what a great venue to chat in. Yeah. I mean, it's glorious. There's a little bit of sun just starting to get past the tree, which is glinting in my eye, which means the temperature is going to rise a little bit. But we've been very comfortable here. We could hear the trucks in the background. We had the fire engine we go by. Did. I haven't had anybody heckle us yet that no, I know of. Somebody gave me a gesture. I'm not sure. It could have been, uh, could have been somebody behind me. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Has anybody walked by over here? Yeah, yeah. Have they? Yeah, um, they're, they're all wearing masks. Everybody's doing, okay, their, doing, their, doing their part. So it's good to see. Well, this has been terrific. Thank you very much for joining us on the Wispy Bomb Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series, Mr. John Durant Jr. And we are going to be listening now as we leave the show to, what is the name of the song again? Face, Face to Facebook. Face to Facebook, written by, well, the lyrics written by John Durant. Mm-hmm. Does he go by John Durant Sr. or just John Durant? He goes by John Durant. Yeah. yeah and, he, he, he was the originator, you know. Yeah. yeah. But the... Music is by John Durant Jr., and here we go with Face to Facebook. Well, every day I walk right up to strangers on the street And tell them things about my life I think are really neat Tell them what I've eaten and what I'll do today And as I pour my soul out, they turn and walk away Follow them and offer up some pictures of my dog 
And pictures of a bear cub With his head stuck in a log I offer my opinions Tell them what I dream And as I share this recipe They run off with a scream It's face to Facebook Cause you do it face to face Your social network's out your door It's called the human race It's just like Facebook But the worst part of it all Is when some guy unfriends you the Wispy Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by Todd C. Walker in Frederick, Maryland, either at the Wispy Mop Studio in Frederick or on location as today's show behind the Frederick Coffee Company on the Shabro stage with our good friend John Durant Jr. If you're enjoying the show, you can pick it up online at wispymopmusic.podbean.com. Podbean is spelled P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Or you can find it on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Now let's go back to the song. It's face to Facebook And I'm getting lots of hits When I meet up with a pretty girl And post about her eyes It's just like Facebook But the worst part of it all Is when some girl unfriends you With a foot into your shin So I'll keep honing my techniques On strangers that I meet But not a soul will friend me Though I chase them down the street But just today I got the word That I have three new followers A lovely psychotherapist And a pair of officers It's face to Facebook My social networks disappear my girlfriend and my family say I'm getting pretty weird It's just like Facebook But it's becoming quite absurd So all that's left to do is friend request Mark Zuckerberg 